The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones that you'll actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little bit more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com Florio and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way, we can bring on advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash Florio, F-L-O-R-I-O. Thanks for your help. Um, you know, he pays attention so much to sports, and oh. you scared me there. When you pointed, I thought, uh-oh, birthday cake. Somebody's coming behind Patrick me. Patrick Mahomes is behind <laughs> you to wish you a happy birthday. Uh- If you're watching on YouTube or if you're watching on Peacock. Oh, my gosh. Chris thought it was going to be a cake to the face. Chris Sims now has a bad association with birthday cakes because he almost took one to the face, although he fended it off a couple of years ago. Happy birthday, Christopher. Now, wait, you did your podcast yesterday, but you didn't do this show yesterday. Am I... Am I interpreting that correctly despite the typographical error you are on the initial graphic? Correctly. Yes, yes, you are interpreting that correctly, uh, Sergeant General there. Yeah, I, I uh, one, you know, I got a crazy week this week, right, between, you know, normal activities and then going to Michigan tomorrow to announce the Michigan-East Carolina game on Peacock on Saturday. I was in Kansas City yeah, on Monday. Yeah, said hi. Yeah, I will, I will, I'll tell him. And then uh, it was in Kansas City Monday. Hanging out with Patrick Mahomes, you know, just some of my buddies and stuff, just oh. hanging out, no big deal, but got home that yeah. late that night. So they decided that they would cut me some slack and not make me go Tuesday morning. <laughs> yeah. You know, nobody ever tells me these things. Let me just say this now, because I haven't said anything about it yeah. on the text chain. Nobody tells me shit. I don't find out anything. I find out the night before I see the text chain. Oh, Miles is on here. Where's Chris tomorrow? Nobody ever tells me anything. It's fine. It's fine. It's okay. <laughs> it I know where seem, I rate in the overall NBC fine. sports hierarchy. It doesn't seem Nobody fine. Nobody ever tells li- me. I think you're lying. I don't think it How seems hard fine. is it? How hard is it? Is it like we're afraid he's going to get mad, so we're just not going to tell him at all? If that's the case, don't you think I'm going to be more upset when I finally find out? I inevitably will learn when the show begins and Chris isn't here. Now, it's either one or the other. Either either they think, ah, he won't care. He, he, he just goes with the flow. He won't care. He'll, he'll do the show with anybody, which is fine, which is fine, because that really is my attitude. Yeah. But at some level, it's about, it's about like, you it's know. It's about respect. We should give the guy a heads up. Yeah, right. We should give the guy a heads up. <laughs> it's his show, and it should be something other than he gets the rundown the night before, and he looks and says, we're Sims. We're Sims. So, anyway. Man, good so anybody... I've been carrying that around for a couple of days. Apparently, I feel better now. You feel better? I mean, apparently, I mean, guys in the back, you okay? You were not, we definitely weren't expecting cake PTSD to go into Florio <laughs> being pissed off about stuff that happened on Monday and Tuesday. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's okay. It's, I guess it's part for the course for you. Well, I will be here tomorrow. I won't be here Friday, Okay. I do fly away well, tomorrow. You are, you're but never I'm, here on Friday. I, know, I just want to make sure you're, you're clear. I, I just want to make sure we're all clear now, here. Now, 
Do you know exactly who's coaching Michigan on Saturday? Because I saw the announcement, and I think Jim Harbaugh has decided to have a different head coach every offensive I'm not, drive. Like I, every time there's a change of no. possession, somebody else takes over as head coach of the team. I'm not exactly sure right now. No, and, and you know that it's kind of a we'll, we'll figure that out. It, it's a minute detail, I think, in the, the big picture of things. It's an impressive football team, Michigan. I'll say that they are well coached. Jim Harbaugh, what he's done up there, you know that. And, man, they got talent all over the field, Mike. They're they're talking, right? And Jim Harbaugh made a comment a few weeks ago that they they thought they had a chance to break the record for players drafted, right, with 22. So, yeah, no, I don't, you know, I don't know if we've officially heard who the actual head coach is either yet, Mike. He, I, that, but, they have announced it. They have announced it. I just can't remember who it is. But I'll, and I'm being sarcastic. But I'll but be it's, with it's them Friday. Two different, yeah, it's two different coaches for the first two games. Or no, for the first and the third game, I think, they have one coach who runs the whole game. And then for the second game, it's split first half and second half. His son, Jay, is going to handle one half of that second game that he misses. So... I just want to know where he's going to be during the games. And I wonder, like, if you're going to see a guy lurking around who looks like Jim Harbaugh, but with, like, a big fake mustache or some other sort of a disguise. Like, how do they keep him away from the big house? Because it really is a big house. you got got 100,000 people. How do you know that one of them isn't Jim Harbaugh lurking around? And, again, I'm being somewhat facetious in that regard. But it would be difficult when it's your program to yeah. be exiled from it. For three games very much and so. to have to just stand down and let it all happen without you there that's got to be very difficult for him he also said something earlier this week that I fully endorse he thinks that oh, I TV saw that revenue should be shared with yeah. the players and 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 we're like oh well he's just mad at the NCAA no he said it last year too he's believed it for a while and shame on other coaches for not standing up and doing the selfless thing you know Anytime a college football coach says something about the current state of college football, it's all filtered through their own personal interest. There's never any selflessness that comes through their big picture views on what college football should be. It's all very predictable. It's all very obvious. Jim Harbaugh saying what he said goes against his own interest. Now, it could be he's just waiting for the chance to leave college football behind and go back to the NFL. But regardless, it it's one of the things that drives me crazy. You get these guys making millions and millions and millions, and they want to protect their millions. And the minute they start giving money to the players, that's less millions that's available to pay the coaches. Yeah, I, I respect him there. I, I mean, I do. I, big time. He's always been an advocate of treating the players fairly. And he's been, like you said, at the forefront of that conversation. And, you know, within that, too – it, it's probably a good way to kind of stick it to the NCAA a little bit more and, and within that belief as well. And, you know, it seems like maybe they're sticking it to him here right now uh, when, you know, with this whole, this whole thing. And of course, Michigan self-imposed this to try to one up the NCAA. So, you know, there's a lot going on there with Michigan, but we know they're going to be a really good football team. And uh, what was it yesterday? Uh, it was, it, I, I believe Jesse, um, um, the name Jesse Minter, was officially named the guy yesterday to be the interim head coach this weekend with, yeah, a different little formula for each week as we go along. And just so folks are up to speed on what happened with Jim Harbaugh, the NCAA began an investigation of some sort of recruiting thing, some violation at Michigan, and then they decided along the way that Harbaugh wasn't truthful with them. So the, the ire, the focus pivoted toward Harbaugh. And along the way, there was a deal between Harbaugh and the NCAA for a four-game suspension. Well, some other committee, the Committee on Infractions, hadn't signed off on that. So when they got it, they rejected it, which is a load of crap. It's a, it's a horrible way to do business. You have your negotiators out there on your behalf working out a deal. They work out a deal, and then somebody else says, no, nah, that's not good enough. That's, that's a load of crap, and it makes it impossible to negotiate other sanctions like this because who's ever going to trust the negotiators in the future it's completely cut off any and all credibility those folks have so that pissed me off when I saw that so now Michigan does the three-game suspension on its own in the hopes that at the end of the day they won't get hit as hard as maybe they fear they're yeah by the right NCAA. but the whole get me started on this serenity now forget about the NCAA for now and I understand NBC's got more college football this year and that's great but the NCAA is the 
broader umbrella that allows all the corruption to happen. It's the way they've justified all the antitrust violations and all the exploiting of the kids over the years. And the house is beginning to crumble. The, the college football programs will continue. The conferences will continue, especially the strong ones. But the NCAA has to go. And I think they know that. They just don't know how to go about doing it. All right. So what did you do for your birthday? Wow. Oh, yeah. You're, you're on a roll today. Um, I, I really you know, worked a little bit in the morning. Had to get on some a Zoom call with some of the East Carolina players, right? Which was which is always fun, you know, hearing college kids their take on the game, the excitement, all that. But then when I got a little birthday activity, I actually went fishing with the family yesterday. Got on a wow. boat, right? Got on a boat, you know, a little fisherman's boat here in the Long Island Sound, and went out. It ain't little if you fit on. Well, it. Yeah, you're right. It was, you know, a good a good little fisherman's boat. You know, Jaws could have made short short work of it, but we got out there and uh, we we had a lot of fun. We fished for about an hour and forty five minutes, two hours. We had a little bit of a time limit because Philip had his first full padded practice yesterday, so he did not want to be late for that. Uh, but yeah, we 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 caught a a bunch of fish. We said, hey, we're just about the action. We're not trying to you know reel in the biggest fish we've ever seen or do anything like that. It was our first time doing it, so uh, yeah, they, they made it easy for us, and we had a lot of fun. It was a good little family outing. It's one of the few things my 17 year old and my 13 year old will do together right now without bickering or fighting or throwing you know just insults at each other. So uh, it worked out pretty good. I mean, they could have thrown chum at each other. It was a perfect opportunity for them to take their bickering to the next level. Nothing like dead fish parts to escalate a fight between a couple of siblings. That's good you had a good day. And I missed you yesterday. I missed you the day before. We we held the fort down. We were fine. We'll have you tomorrow. And then Friday, Peter King will actually be back for the first time in a long time. So I'm looking forward to spending a couple hours with Peter. And then you and I will be in Kansas City next week. I actually get there before you do i think wednesday we're going to split screen it from kansas city because one thing i've learned and i know we need to get onto the news there's fairly you know uh important stuff happening in the nfl but but from the pittsburgh airport yeah it's impossible to get anywhere quickly other than the few places where there are direct flights like atlanta new york charlotte like to go to Kansas City, you gotta like you're drawing this like the old squiggly straw. <laughs> then you know you gotta go all over the place. It takes a full day to get to Kansas City. I could walk to Kansas City faster than I can fly to Kansas City, originating the trip in Pittsburgh. So I'll go Tuesday because otherwise I'd miss the rehearsal on Wednesday night because I can't get there. Even if, if I walk out the door at 9 a.m. Eastern, I can't get to Kansas City by 7 p.m. Central. Are you kidding that- me? That's I, that's yes, crazy. I'm not kidding. You. So wait, you have to do is it more than one stop or is it just the connections like a long layover no it's matter? Atlanta. Yeah. It's Atlanta, it's about an hour. But right. I got to fly down to Atlanta and then back up to Kansas City. That's just one of the options. That's the one that worked well on Tuesday. So I'll be there Tuesday night. I'll do the show from there Wednesday. I think you come on Wednesday. Thursday we'll be together. We'll do the Picks podcast after the show on Thursday. Then we'll have the Lions at the Chiefs on Thursday night, do the show Friday morning, and then off the season goes. Boom, off we go. And I don't know, are you doing the show Friday morning next week? Or will I find out like five minutes before? No, no, I'm not planning on doing the show next morning on Friday week. No, I'm not. I was not. Now, yeah. So uh, hopefully I'll be on a plane flying back home by that time that's what i'm that's what i'm really hoping for at that at that time on friday after these two i'm not even trying to come home i'm not even trying to come home for that extra day i'm just gonna go straight to new york wow get it okay because by the time i get home it'd be get up and leave again yeah i hear you yeah that makes sense that does okay all right right. yep here we go let's get it up uh okay so yesterday all the rosters if you hadn't heard cut from 90 to 53 now some of the moves had been made in advance yesterday was the ultimate deadline for every roster to be at 53 and it meant some guys waived some guys who have four or more years of service they become terminated released they're instantly free agents then you have some guys that were on the physically unable to perform list who stay on it non-football injury list stay on it guys go to injured reserve all sorts of different moves get made to go from 90 to 53 it's not straight 37 guys pack your stuff and go a lot of the guys will still be there and up to 16 most of whom will have been on the roster for the offseason and preseason and training camp they'll come back and be part of the practice squad so it's ultimately 69 guys who are going to be on the team not 53 
but 16 of them will be on the practice squad. And one of the guys who got moved from the 90-man roster to one of the reserve lists because he wasn't traded, Jonathan Taylor, went from the active physically unable to perform list, which caused him to count against the 90. Now he goes to the reserve pup list, doesn't count against the 53, but by rule has to miss the first four games of the regular season. Even if they would trade him, he is on the pup list and he cannot play for anyone for the first four games. First four games, not first four weeks. Some teams have a buy in that window. First four games he must miss. And uh, that was that for now. Now, they said Tuesday was the deadline, Chris. I don't believe it because they also said they weren't going to trade him at all. I think the window is still going to be open between now and Halloween when the window closes for good on trades in 2023. Yeah, I, I mean, one, I mean, are, are we shocked that he didn't get traded in this in this time period? Absolutely not. I mean, come on. We know where the, the running back market is. We, we, we've exhausted this topic over the last few weeks. We're blue in the face. This should have been done forever ago. Teams, you know, trying to trade for a running back who might be a little banged up, right? And then... Add them and, and then add them to the salary cap and a big new contract and all that. There's just that that's too much for what we know the current state of the running back market. It's too risky. And on top of that, Mike, you know, I know I texted you a little bit, but just from people I knew in the league, I don't think there was any really in real business in trying to acquire Jonathan Taylor. No real serious conversations, nothing that got down the road in compensation. I mean, the thing that I was told from different people was that Miami, and I know you wrote an article or two, and maybe you heard more and you can add to this, but you know, Miami was the only team that seemed interested. That's where I was led to believe. They were the only team that was kind of like, hey, what kind of money are you looking for? So not shocked by these developments. What I am and I don't know is where his health really is at. And that's what I don't, and I haven't really heard that for sure. You know, is it like one of those things that it's a real injury or, you know, could he play if it's the right situation and, you know, he's, you know, being treated the right way again? I I don't know that aspect, but I'm not surprised by yesterday's developments. Barry Jackson, the Miami Herald, pointed out at one point last week that the Bears and the Broncos reportedly were interested, but he didn't mention who was reporting it. I never tracked that all the way down because, look, the Broncos wouldn't have signed him to a market-level deal. Definitely not. It's that same vibe that the Dolphins have been giving off. We're here if we can steal the guy. Exactly. We're always interested if we can do a deal that we look at it and say, how could we not do that deal? That's not the way to get the deal done. And what a shock the deal didn't get done. When you have a team that's at the front of the pack who – was of the, well, okay, you know, we'll take Dalvin Cook, yeah, on our terms. Or, oh, oh, we made an exploratory phone call to the Raiders about Josh Jacobs. Yeah, on our terms. Right. Well, yeah, if we can, if we can get this guy for nothing, we will do it, or close to nothing. And that wasn't going to happen. It wasn't going to happen. And you raise an interesting point about his health. Yeah, that's the one We talked about this know. last week. Yeah. Why are these teams, what are they going to do? They're yeah. going to just bring him in and... Say, oh, yeah, we know you were holding in. We know that was all fake. Go ahead, suit up and play. I mean, is that really what was going on? The fact that anybody was even considering doing it. Because what are you going to do? You're going to bring him in and put him on the reserve pup list? And say, well, you know, we gave all, up all this stuff to get you, but oh, well, you'll play when you play. You've got an ankle injury. There's just been this kind of unspoken vibe. And I think it goes back to that that brief moment in time, Chris, when – the Colts put out the idea that they were going to shift him from the pup list to the non-football injury list because he had a back injury, supposedly, from right. working out on his own, and then they wouldn't have to pay him. That was the moment where, even though the Colts didn't come out and say it, the notion was somebody in that organization, and I presume the leaks came from owner Jim Ursay because he was firing the Scud missiles at the time, somebody believed that Taylor was taking the very bad advice of NFLPA president J.C. Treader, and I'm sorry, J.C., it was bad advice for guys to create leverage by faking injuries because that puts a cloud over everything and it creates suspicion. And I think there's always been that suspicion, Chris, that Jonathan Taylor isn't really injured, could play if he wanted to, that that was just his way of holding out without holding out. You know, I said from the moment Ursay started popping off about running back contracts, Jonathan Taylor should not have shown up. He should have held out if he wanted his contract. 
And maybe that's what this all is. This is a holdout by holding in, by pretending to be injured when he really isn't. He could play if he really wanted to. And now the next step in this process, instead of having him limping around, resisting reps, just leave him on the pup list and we'll have 53 guys who are ready to go and we'll figure it out after the first four weeks of the season. That may be what's going on. And I'm not making a, a character judgment about Jonathan Taylor. No, not at all. Yeah, when the president of the union, when the president of the union is saying you should do it, it's kind of hard to blame a guy who does it. Well, right. Yeah. And sure. I know he, he said, well, I can't really say it, but, you know, wink, wink, nod, nod kind of crap. I mean, when you're getting that seal of approval from the guy who runs your union, how can how can you blame a guy for saying, hey, you know what? This is one of the tools available to me. No, no, you're you're right about that. And and, you know, as the the famous saying goes, I mean, desperate people do desperate things. You do. And then and, and we've, you know, talked about it a lot. There's just not, not a lot not of really the saying. Well, you know, well, works. Well, desperate it, times call for desperate measures is the actual saying. Well, OK, OK, word. you got it. We were in the we're in the right ballpark. I mean, it wasn't a total Simpsonism <laughs> there. I was somewhat close. But yeah, I think like, you know, it's it's the advice. It's lack of different ways and to attack this. And, you know, probably a little bit of a last-minute panic situation to do this. But, yeah, in my heart of hearts, do I think if Jonathan Taylor got traded and got a contract that he felt was worthy of his services, would his ankle be ready to go the next day? Uh, yeah, I think it would be. I think it would Tore be. Tore me, baby. That would just be, you know, how it looks. And I'm not trying to accuse him, nor would I even be mad if he's – he is doing this. I just that's the way it looks, at least from ten thousand feet above. And uh yeah, it it's it's unfortunate for the Colts and everything here. And what I come back to a lot of the times here, Mike, is yeah, team in transition, new quarterback. We saw Anthony Richardson this last, you know, through the preseason. Incredible talent. But like what we saw this past weekend in that game, it's raw. It's raw. It's it's six for eighteen in preseason game number three against some backups and some other guys. So that's where they wish they had Jonathan Taylor, and that's where it's going to hurt them and Anthony Richardson's development a little bit. But I'm, I'm interested to see where this goes, Mike. It seems like it's getting ugly. The term Holden has become popular in the past few years, ever since the 2020 CBA, when the fines went up to the point where players realized there's another way to apply pressure in an effort to get a contract. I show up, and by agreement with the team, I just don't practice. Before that, Holden was the term that referred to the guy who was pretending to be injured, who showed up and refused to practice, not with the agreement of the team, but because I've got a hamstring injury. I've got an ankle injury when he really wasn't injured, and it would play out during the season. Sorry, I can't go this week. I got a, I got a quad strain or whatever the case may be. That's what Holden used to mean, and that may be what Jonathan Taylor is doing. Now, Chris, Something that happened over the weekend that we haven't had a chance to discuss, and Miles Simmons and I tried to tried to determine whether and to what extent there was an impact from this event on Taylor, the Josh Jacobs contract, yeah. where he becomes the first guy ever operating under the one-year franchise tender to get more dollars thrown in from the get-go, 10.1 to 11.8 with another 200000 available in incentives. I think that complicated any effort to trade for Taylor because it resuscitates a depressed market when all of a sudden Josh Jacobs gets to 11-8 instead of 10-1. I think it makes it more difficult for the Dolphins to give Jonathan Taylor a package he feels good about because what's it going to be compared to? Yeah. If your agent cares at all about what it means to his practice going forward, how do you agree to a $10.1 million a year deal? If, and I don't know what they were talking about, but whatever number you're talking about, it looks worse now after Josh Jacobs turns 10-1 into 11-8. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree. You know, and, 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 you know, first we had Saquon, who got some sprinkles on the top of, of that contract through the franchise tag. Then you get Josh Jacobs, who gets even more than that, right? And, you know, yes, it kind of messes up the market. It probably messes up Jonathan Jonathan Taylor's mind a little bit in this situation. And it probably makes him even angrier just because he's going, wait, you know, here's a team that kind of took care of their player. They helped them out. Uh, they bridged a gap to a degree. 
right? But but this is a I think a far wider gap, right? We're talking about four point eight million to what? Getting to you know nine, ten, eleven million, whatever number that Jonathan Taylor deems necessary. That's not going to happen. Certainly not. And you're right; it does put a little more pressure on the situation. But yeah, I just I don't know where this goes for Jonathan Taylor. He's it's limited options here and. Uh, I just wonder if it's is it some point going to be on the field for the Colts or is it just going to be total exhaustion of the whole subject and they just trade him for maybe less than he's worth just to get rid of the headache? I think it all comes down to how fractured the relationship is. And remember, it was Chris Ballard, the GM of the Colts, who told me back in May of 2022, and we weren't talking about Taylor at the time. It was just the dynamic in the NFL of Tyreek Hill getting out of Kansas City and the Chiefs accommodating. Devontae Adams getting out of Green Bay, the Packers accommodating. A.J. Brown out of Tennessee, the Titans accommodating. And he invoked the Mike Tomlin line, we'd rather have volunteers than hostages. And and he said, now sometimes you'll play hardball. And I think in the organization, Jim Ursay wanted to play hardball. Jim Ursay ideally wanted to keep Jonathan Taylor through the four years of his rookie contract, tag him once. Maybe tag him twice at some point, say, see you later. We'll go draft somebody else to be our running back. Chris Ballard recognizes that this consternation, this acrimony, it's not sustainable. It doesn't help you build a team that is going to be as successful as possible. When you have a guy that doesn't want to be there, it disrupts the chemistry and the vibe in the locker room. And I think at some point, Ballard won the short-term fight to just let the guy go see what else is out there. Yeah, right. And as we suspected from the get-go, he's going to see that what's out there isn't what he wants. So now, after he comes off of the pup list, if and when he comes off of the pup list, and he may be traded while still on the pup list, we'll find out whether or not he's willing to just take what he can get to move on, who's going to step up before the trade deadline, if anyone. And if that doesn't happen, and this is the risk he's taken, Chris, If he doesn't want to play at all this year for the Colts, if he's done, if he's never going to wear a Colts uniform again, how do you get anything close to market value when you played 11 games in 2022, no games in 2023? I know it worked for Deshaun Watson playing no games in 2021. Yeah, not the same. When he got his trade to the – but it's not the same. It's not the same. No. And Watson still hasn't been the same. I mean, look, if Watson isn't the guy he was in 2020 – and we'll know that by the trade deadline, that becomes a cautionary message to anyone that would trade for Jonathan Taylor. Like, hey, you take a whole year off and you may never get back on the horse. No, we are. You know, we, we argued this right with Saquon and Josh Jacobs saying, get out there. You know, even in those situations, get out there, play. You're not going to sit out the year and get more money the next year. You know, it, it, it's, it's yeah, you, you lose you know, the, the fine-tuning of your craft. It is another year, even though you're not getting beat up. I don't care. You know, 4-4-9 goes to 4-4-9-5 in that year, or 4-4-5, or right? I mean, it, you're not getting younger. You're not getting more explosive. You know, so you're, you're missing an opportunity to, to collect that check and, and get the money. I, I mean, you know, ultimately here, I, 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 I wish they could come to some – incentive-based contract just like we've kind of seen some idea of that with Jacobs and and Barkley you know can make it lucrative to where you get him out there and get a fire under his butt again once again you know can you find a way to hey if you're top five rushing in football you get a million dollars if you're you know top five rushing TDs it's another million dollars I mean, can't we get to something like that, at least to bridge the gap? I would think that's not too crazy here, but maybe Jonathan Taylor doesn't want to deal with that. Maybe the Colts' heels are dug in here on this too, and Jeremy Ursay is not willing to do that right now. I I don't know, but I wish there was a remedy for Jonathan Taylor's sake, I guess is just what I'm saying there. And there may be one hell of a story that we may never hear about what really happened on that bus. Remember that? Yeah. That was how this all kind of got started. Crazy. Jonathan right. Yeah. Jonathan Taylor reported for camp. And I remember he was one of the guys I was watching. Is he just gonna not report? He reported for camp and everything was fine. And then Jim Ursay starts firing the Scud missiles, taking a Twitter, a few days later, on the bus, and I think some of the reporters were trying to create this kind of loose impression. Oh, they're working it all out. And then it was after that that we found out that Taylor wanted to be traded. And then Ursay says, we will not trade him. We will not trade him. Now, 
or in October. But I guess they were going to trade him in August. Uh, and they still may <laughs> trade him in September. And they ultimately may trade him in October. So um, it, it's, it's a bad situation for a team that's trying to turn things around and create a positive vibe with a new quarterback. Right. And it would have been nice for them to have Jonathan Taylor fully motivated, fully determined, fully compensated, and ready to go because what a way to take heat off of your rookie quarterback than to have the exactly. best running back, arguably, in football, moving the chains and drawing the safeties up to the line of scrimmage so your quarterback can find some guys wide-ass open down the field. That's now right. Now they're not going to have that. No. And and I'm still, like, their depth, I like, I wonder what what they're going to do at tailback now. Is Zach Moss the answer? I, I, I think they're going to have to ride him a little, and then I would think they're in the process of looking, the, looking at guys who were on the street that got cut yesterday to go, who who makes sense and how can we juggle our roster to add another running back to the equation here? That's what I would think. But, yeah, that's what's a little scary here. There's not anything that you look at to go, hmm, let's rely on that group or, hey, this guy, we know we got him, you know, in our back pocket in case Jonathan Taylor, he's dependable. No. It's a group of young guys, unproven. Zach Moss never really worked out in Buffalo, got injured there a little bit. So I'm sure they're scared, you know. And, and honestly, the last week and just how that Jonathan Taylor not being back and seeing Anthony Richardson on Saturday, I believe that was, right? I, there was a lot of games this weekend. It, it made me think differently of the Colts. Where the Colts, I, I'm not going to lie, I was a little bit like, hey, maybe they'll surprise some people and be in the mix here in early December. And I feel like over the last week to 10 days, I kind of came to the terminate. Nah, he's young. He's raw. He's got a ton of talent. But, you know, just as I saw in that preseason game, it's going to take some time. And now you don't have a Jonathan Taylor to lean on officially here. I go, yeah, it, it, this is a, a somewhat of a rebuild, get Anthony Richardson used to the NFL type of year. And the depth chart does go Zach Moss, Deion Jackson, Evan Hull for now. Yeah. The Indianapolis Colts. We'll see who they can find, whether it's a guy who's available or a guy that they would maybe acquire via trade at some point between now and October 31. Doesn't just have to be week one. Could be at any point before that window closes. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. It's a world record again! Go for the United States! Unbelievable! And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this! How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. All right, the window closed yesterday on having 90 guys on the roster, as we've previously said. The Patriots, when I first saw yeah. that Bailey Zappi had been waived, I thought, wow, they must really like Malik Cunningham. And then I saw, <laughs> no, Malik Cunningham also has been waived, leaving the Patriots with one quarterback on the roster, Michael McCorkle-Jones the only quarterback on the 53-man roster for the New England Patriots. I assume they'll have two when they start their season against the Eagles, although it's already sparked people to say in mostly jest, well, Tom Brady is coming back to be honored that day. Maybe he'll be the other quarterback for week one. Highly, highly, highly unlikely, but of all the guys, look, if th this falls into that category. This is the Matt Patricia Joe Judge, Frankenstein monster, offensive coordinator category. If anybody else did this, we would be laughing our asses off and saying, what an idiot for having one quarterback on his 53-man roster, even if it is temporary. Bill Belichick does it, and the attitude is, oh, Bill's got a plan. Bill will be fine. 
He'll bring in somebody that's never been part of that offense before, and they'll just be fine, and everything will be fine. And we know that you know it hasn't been as fine as it used to be, but he still gets that benefit of the doubt. When you think about it, you got Bailey Zappi, Malik Cunningham, offseason program, training camp, preseason, and they're just gone now. And who's going to be the backup to Mac Jones? Who's going to walk through the door and know the offense? Are they going to trade for Brian Hoyer? That, what the I hell mean, are they going to do, Chris? That, that, that's where I, I don't know. I, I you know I've thought about that. Yeah, is Brian Hoyer? But what are the Raiders? They're gonna they're gonna let Aiden O'Connell, a rookie, be the backup to Jimmy Garoppolo, who's got an injury history. I just have a hard time believing that. I've racked my brain of like, wait, Billy O'Brien? Is there somebody I'm missing when he was in Houston or anybody like that that could possibly be? A, a a backup option here, right? I mean, I, I've done all that. I, I, I don't know where they go. You know, I, I does not feel like this is going to be a Bailey Zap bring him back on the roster type of move, Mike. I, you know, I, I don't know. I haven't talked to enough people about this subject yet, but it, I don't get that sense here. So I don't know what your spidey senses or your pasta and meatballs tell you there. But, yeah, this was a little bit of a shocker. And you look out there, and, yeah, there's some guys available. But like you said – it, it's nobody that you go, wait, there's history, or they know the offense, and they can get in here, and if Mac Jones hurt his ankle week one and was out for three series, this guy could come in and run the offense. There's nobody that hits you in the face like that. That's where it's shocking. Both guys, Zappi and Cunningham, will have to go through waivers and could be claimed. I mean, Zappi played last year. Yeah. Someone could claim him, and then he would be on their active roster, and it won't be an issue as to whether or not he'd come back on the practice squad. I think your instincts are right, though. I think Zappy's gone. I think it's done. My first reaction was Bill O'Brien hates Bailey Zappy. Well, hates him. Yeah, I don't know about hates that. Him. I don't. I don't want to say that's hate, why. But but yeah, I, I well, something. Bill O'Brien is cap. I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's not a bad emotion. Hatred is part nah, of. Nah, he's makes a the world tough SOB. It's the opposite of love. Yeah, but he's like this guy's not my guy. This guy to uh, kind of paraphrase Frank Costanza, this guy is not my kind of guy. Yeah, I don't want him here. Yeah, so uh, you know, we, and and it's funny because it wasn't that long ago Bill Belichick refused to shoot down the idea that Jones and Zappi were competing for the starting job for crying out loud. Well, so he I knows Mac Jones. Cunningham. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. If Cunningham clears waivers, Cunningham comes back right. out of the practice squad. Right. But you still need a backup. And Chris, I'm looking at the Texans starters when Bill O'Brien was there. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick is still retired. He's yeah. not coming back. Case Keenum is out there. He's got a slim connection to Bill O'Brien. That's what I thought of. You've right? got yeah, yeah. I mean, you got Brock Osweiler and Bill O'Brien, and not that <laughs> that not, ain't happening. That, that's the Bailey Zappi thing. He hated Brock Osweiler, and Brock Osweiler hated him. And it's quite possible Bailey Zappi and Bill O'Brien had that same kind of relationship. But I mean, other than Deshaun Watson, AJ McCarron, Tyrod Taylor, TJ Yates. There's not much no. out there by way of somebody who knows O'Brien and could come in and quickly get up to speed. No, that that's where, you know, I, I, I couldn't come up with anybody. I I Case Keenum was in my brain, but I don't envision, you know, rookie quarterback in Houston and and you know that situation. I would think they're gonna stay with the three there and Davis Mills and Stroud and Case Keenum, right? Uh for for a, a myriad of different reasons. <clears throat> but yeah, I, don't, I mean, Colt McCoy is out there. That's a guy that makes sense. Trevor Simeon, at least their season. But, yeah, it's, again, knowledge of the offense. I don't know. And, you know, I came back to a little bit of what you're saying. I don't know Bert, Billy O'Brien's personal feelings about Belly Zappi. But, like you said, he's a tough SOB. I never really thought Bailey Zappi was a New England type of quarterback. You You know that. I always, New England has never been, let me get the quarterback who's small, unathletic, and has a weak arm to be my guy. That's not who they are. No, they get Phil Simms, Vinny Testaverde, Drew Bledsoe, Tom Brady, big dudes who sit in a pocket and go, I could throw this ball through the wall. I'm going to do that, right? And that's where he never made sense to me. And then I think, so there's that aspect, and I think Billy O'Brien likes that guy I'm talking about, that big pocket-passing, talented quarterback. And then Bailey Zabby didn't do well in the preseason this year. If anybody really watched, it wasn't good. It wasn't good physically. It wasn't good great decision-making. 
the last two preseason games, he threw for under 50%. It's it's almost kind of hard to do that when you've played football in the NFL a little bit and you're in preseason game two and three. So, you know, I think on the field, it might have justified it a little bit, but the situation is what makes it weird, and I don't know where they're going to go from here, Mike. Yeah, it's a strange, strange situation. Matthew Slater, who's been with that team forever, he said yesterday that the decision is surprising to a lot of us. And if it's surprising on the inside, it should be shocking on the outside. And that's part of it, too. How do you sell this to your players? How do you get them on board with it? Because last year there was at least a little something between Zappi and Mac Jones. When Mac Jones was I think Zappi was – kind of the pawn in the broader fight between Agreed. Bill Belichick and Mac Jones Agreed. last year as yeah. well. Right. But the fans started to get behind Bailey Zappi. And they had that weird night. Was it the Monday night game against the Bears? Yes. And they, Mac was in, then Bailey's in, and right. Mac didn't come back. And it was all just weird. And Belichick eventually said, the hell with this. Mac is my guy. He's going to play, regardless of whatever was going on behind the scenes. It just is a mess. And Others who are available. Will Greer now signing with the Bengals practice squad doesn't take him out of play. He could be signed to anyone else's active roster. That's always been part of this. You're not off the shelf completely, but it has to be active roster, not practice squad. And where's the connection? Is there any reason to think that Bill O'Brien, Bill Belichick would want Will Greer? Uh, Nick Foles is available. Carson Wentz is available. That would be something if Carson Wentz went to New England. But I... They got to they got to do something. It can't just be Mac Jones. It won't just be Mac Jones when the Eagles come to town week one. But whoever it is, most likely is going to be somebody who is really getting up to speed crash course unless they do dip into that well of guys. And there aren't many in that well who have familiarity with the O'Brien offense, familiarity with the Patriots to make the transition easier. Otherwise, it's just some guy who's showing up. We got 10 days. Get ready. You're number two to Mac Jones. He sprains an ankle. He gets injured. He comes out for a concussion evaluation. You're in the game. Yeah, that's that's what it is, you know, a little crazy. And you've heard me say, right, to add to your point, New England's offense is different than most offenses in football, right? The quarterbacks that are available, for the most part, okay, maybe Tommy DeVito – who got cut by the Giants because he was with Brian Dayball. But for the most part, the names that we've mentioned, they've never called plays like the New England offense. So it's not like it's going to be like, oh, I've been in this system before. You know, hey, they got, you know, oh, hey, Lion is Bengal and, you know, Smoke is take a drag and whatever. Like, it's all similar. No, this is going to be like, what? This is a totally different language altogether. And, whoa, they call formations that. That's where... I don't know where it goes. And like you said, it's limited out there as far as the, the guys that have been a part of this, you know, regime, tree, whatever you want to call it, as far as the quarterback position is concerned. Many will say there aren't enough good quarterbacks to go around. Others will say there aren't enough bad quarterbacks to go around. The bottom line is there aren't enough quarterbacks to go around. And when you're trying with 10 days to go until your first game of the regular season – to figure out who your backup is going to be. That is not an ideal situation for the Patriots. We'll obviously continue to monitor it. Now, another thing that I was monitoring, Chris, I previously mentioned that there were 12 teams last year that had three quarterbacks on the 53-man roster. What difference would the return of the emergency quarterback rule make for 2023? Because, and I think the more we understand about this rule, the less I like it. If the idea is to prevent this debacle that we saw in the NFC Championship where the 49ers suffer two quarterback injuries and it's either Brock Purdy handing off to everyone and anyone and not being able to throw or Christian McCaffrey with the wristband on trying to figure out the offense on the fly and it's bad TV and no one wants to watch it and that could happen in any standalone game in any given week and crater the ratings. If you're going to create an opportunity to put a third quarterback in uniform on game day, why are you requiring that that third quarterback already be on the 53-man roster? And and at the end of the day, 13 teams for now have three quarterbacks on the 53-man roster, up from 12 last year, and it could change between now and then. Sean Payton talked about this yesterday. He's going to be interested to see how many teams have three on the roster approaching week one. And Payton also said when they first started talking about this, we just assumed – 
it would be a guy you could bring up from the practice squad and put in the extra uniform on game day. Again, if the idea is to prevent a shit show, make it easier for teams to have the third quarterback. If you're trying to prevent the ratings for a game from going from $20 million to $10 million because one of the teams has no quarterbacks by the end of the first quarter, make it easier to have a third quarterback. Exactly. I mean, you said it. I don't know. This is this is a common – I mean, in the NFL, I don't want to say common. I'm not saying that exactly right. But the, the problem is, and like you said – it needs to not count on the 53-man roster because it's about value of assets a lot of these times with the 53-man roster. Yeah, teams, the NFL is a league. We don't want the uh, proverbial shit show of, like, wait, a running back's playing quarterback in, in the game. What the hell is going on, <laughs> right? But, proverbial. But, <laughs> but the coaches are going to take Thankfully. those risks every now and then. <laughs> the coaches are going to take those risks every now and then. One, they're going to go, wait, we're not going to lose two quarterbacks. Two, as you know, it's hard to juggle these rosters. They got guys that are, ooh, maybe banged up that they don't, ooh, like, he's really good. He's going to be good for us. We, we need to keep him as a D lineman, but I can't, you know, put him out on the uh, – cut him, let him clear waivers or anything like that. I can't mess with that. Oh, we have a fifth or sixth receiver, and, you know, there's just too much juggling of the roster stuff there that's too important, let alone some of those guys are, wait, we have a future for that guy. We think he can be a major contributor and they're going to finagle to make that work rather than, well, let's keep one of these roster spots for a guy that's really not that good, we don't have a future for, but we're just going to keep him just in case so TV ratings and things don't look too bad. Coaches are going to take that risk as long as that's going to take a spot. And I think that's the biggest problem, and I think you're saying it right. It just needs to not count altogether just to protect the integrity of the game there a little bit. Don't take it from me, though. Here's a little from Sean Payton yesterday talking about this dynamic and his belief, his expectation that this third quarterback is somebody who could have come from the practice squad with a game day call up. Have a listen. I think there were a lot of people that felt like if the new rule said, hey, you can bring a third up off your practice squad on game day, that would have possibly been a good solution. The new rule basically says if you keep a third on your active, you can bring him up free. We like, you know, the two guys that are on the roster, and and we think that uh, we're going to have a good practice squad quarterback. That's the approach we're going to take. Now, there's some teams that will keep a third on their active, so it's just really your decision how you want to handle your 53. Um, so the the new rule still requires you to keep a third on your 53. Um, I'll be anxious to see, you know, call it a week from now, how many teams have three on their 53. Um, I'm sure there'll be a few, but we'll, we'll have a third, though, in the building. He also characterized what happened to the 49ers against the Eagles in the NFC Championship, a once-every-four-year dynamic. that's what I'm I don't saying. think it happens yeah. quite that often. Right. And, and, you know, Chris, it's funny, one of the – teams that is keeping three is the 49ers how could they not keep three how could they not have an emergency quarterback they're the team and you you could be tempted if you're the 49ers to say it just happened to us it's not going to happen to us again it just happened surely it's not going to happen again but if it would happen to them again and they weren't in a position where they were taking advantage of the emergency quarterback well could you imagine the reaction by media and fans that the team that is the poster child for this rule didn't have a third quarterback and they have Brock Purdy, Sam Darnold, and Brandon Allen on the roster. And frankly, frankly, another thing we didn't talk about is the Trey Lance trade. The fact that Brandon Allen made the 53-man roster bolsters my theory that Trey Lance wasn't QB3. Trey Lance was QB4 in San Francisco. Well, yeah, I don't I don't know about that, but I yeah, you know – the gap is great as people may maybe think or whatever, you know, obviously there was comfort, you know, with that third quarterback in San Francisco there to, 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 you know, trust him to be that guy knows the offense, whatever else. 
I mean, he's Brandon Allen's. He's he's you know a good third to have. He's played a ton in preseasons because Joe Burrow didn't get to play and has had issues there. You know, so that that's why they kept him. It definitely gave them the flexibility to kind of do whatever they wanted with Trey Lance. That's for sure. So you know, either way, I don't think they were going to make him the fourth. But but you know, I know what you're saying. Now, you know the 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 other picture here with the quarterback situation too, Mike. I mean, yeah, Denver's. I mean, Sean Payton said it. You said it. These guys. You know, one, they don't believe it's going to happen. They, they don't believe we're ever going to really get to the third. That's not really going to happen. Now, the 49ers should believe that. They, they've been quarterback injury bug for the whole Kyle Shanahan tenure there. So, I, I you know, they're, they're one there that, you know, I and Brock Purdy coming off an elbow injury. Okay, that, that'd be smart to do for right now. I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, but, yeah, I think a lot of these teams, are. it's all about juggling the roster a little bit. And Sean Payton, he's got receiver injuries and things banged up, and he's trying to make it work. So he's not going to carry that extra roster spot for the quarterback. He's going to have it on the on the practice squad. And I think you're going to see the majority of teams continue to do that. You know, the term analytics has become relevant the past 10, 15 years to football as it relates to game day decision-making. But analytics has been a part of personnel management for decades in the NFL, even if they didn't call it that. And part of the analysis is, what's the chance I'm going to need this guy? This guy who's taken up spot number 53 on the roster versus what's the chance I'm going to need the other guy that I would keep exactly. instead of QB3. Right. And this is a guy who I can call up to be on special teams. This is a guy who's a backup offensive lineman. This is a guy that is a backup defensive back, and I've got some injuries potentially. I've got more roster flexibility at other positions where I know I'm going to have needs throughout the course of the year versus the break glass in event of emergency that is most likely never going to happen guy who is bumping off the roster somebody I could actually use. And you're willing to roll the dice on not needing a third quarterback. And the other theory, too, is, and I remember when Mike McCarthy said this years ago when he was with the Green Bay Packers, talking about why they only carried two quarterbacks on the roster. He said, if you get down to your third quarterback, you're screwed anyway. And on game day, that may be the case. Now, the 49ers got down to QB3 last year, but they were able to work him and get him ready, and he played seven games, and he did well. But generally speaking, the guy who's number three on your depth chart is number three for a reason, and if he has to be thrust into the game, does it really matter? Is he going to lead a 30-point comeback or whatever the case may be to win the game? It's not impossible, but it's highly unlikely. All right, we need to take a break. We mentioned Trey Lance. Trey Lance spoke for the first time since being traded by the 49ers to the Dallas Cowboys. We'll discuss that and I'll get Chris's thoughts on Lance as a Cowboy when PFT Live continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 